Look out. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Home Recording MadeEasy.com podcast. I'm your humble host, David Vignola. This is a big one, folks. This is episode 40. Woo-wee. We're at the big four zero, episode 40, and this one is a good one. My top eight newbie mistakes that I see all the time, and I want to talk about them and help you from making those same mistakes. The top eight mistakes that newbies make with either recording, setting up their studio, mixing, mastering music, all home studio stuff. Top eight mistakes here this week on episode 40. So get yourself a pen, a pad, and a cool drink, and let's talk about it right here on the HomeRecordingMadeEasy.com podcast. We finally made it, folks. Episode 40. 4-0. For a lot of podcasts, that's nothing. But for me, that's 39 more than I ever thought we would do. <laughs> so welcome to episode 40 here at the Home Recording Made Easy.com podcast. And here's to another 40 more. I really do appreciate everybody listening. A lot of you are return listeners, and thank you so much. Make sure, as always, that you subscribe, share, like, leave five-star reviews. That really does help me, and I really do appreciate it. If you are new here, and this is the first podcast you're listening to, welcome to our family here at Home Recording Made Easy. My goal here is to help you, especially if you're in the beginning stages or in the intermediate stages of setting up a home studio, recording in a home studio, mixing music in a home studio, mastering music in a home studio, or all of the above. And that's what I do here. And so there's lots of resources and lots of training things that I have available to you, most of which is free of charge. This podcast is one of them. The YouTube channel, youtube.com slash home recording made easy. There's over 700 videos and counting all free content for you. There's also some free training on my website at home recording made We'll talk about that at the end of the podcast, as well as some paid training courses. And then there's other things that are coming up. And there's also a mixing membership website, mixingmadeeasy.net. So I have a ton of training available for you if you are interested in recording and making music in your home studio. And I want to help and talk to all of my newbies out there, all of my beginners. And there's nothing wrong and nothing to be embarrassed about, about being new and being a newbie. And just because you're new or a newbie, you could be at any age. You can be a teenager in your mid-20s, your 30s. And I have a lot of clients and students that are just starting working in a home studio, in their home studio, in their late 60s. These are old school cats that used to work in the big analog studios, the multi-million dollar studios, and now they're retired from their day jobs and they want to get into home recording and they need help too. So beginners and newbies come in all different ages, shapes, and sizes, and we love them all. And just remember folks, for the more senior people that are listening to this podcast, and there's a lot of you as well, some of these tips you may uh, actually find helpful. And by the way, we were all, all a newbie or a beginner at one point in our career. So let's keep all that in mind as we go through these top eight mistakes that I see new students, new clients, people that I work with on a weekly basis. I see the same things over and over and over and over and over and over again. Every one of these eight things that I'm going to read to you, I could promise you I have had talked to one-on-one with different clients and students over the years more than once. (laughs) So these are common. These are common. So let me help you. Mistake number one. This is probably the biggest one of all for people that are new to making music, recording music, and mixing music, especially in their home studio. 
They're impatient. They're being impatient. Remember, this is a craft that takes time to learn how to record and mix music in your studio or in any studio for that matter. It doesn't take a long time to learn how to just plug a guitar in or a microphone in and record into your DAW. That takes 10 minutes. But learning how to do it well, learning how to record music well, learning how to mix music well, and learning how to master music well takes time. It is a craft just like learning how to play an instrument or learning how to be a painter or learning how to be a good chef all takes time. We all can cook, but only a few of us can cook really well, (laughs) right? It takes time and practice. So the number one mistake that I see when, especially when I talk to my students and clients over Zoom and Skype, when we do our private one-on-one trainings, is I see the frustration. They want to go from zero to 60 overnight. They want to learn, and I'm going to use an example, learn how to mix music and they spent maybe one week working on, they never did it before. They bought a course from me a week later. They can't make their mix sound like their favorite mix that they heard on the radio and they're frustrated with themselves. And I'm like, are you kidding? Don't be frustrated with yourself. You got to give yourself more time. You have to give yourself, you got to give yourself some credit. You have to be patient. This is a craft. If you want to get good at the craft, like anything in life, you have to be consistent. You can't give up. And you constantly have to continue to learn and be a student of whatever you're trying to do. Pardon me. I might be an educator and a teacher to a lot of you, but I am also a student, especially of mixing. Mixing is my forte these days, and I'm still a student. I still take training from mixing engineers that are far better than I will ever be. I still take both private training lessons and online training, and I still mix music all the time. A lot of it has to do with a lot of the courses that I create for you guys. And I'm mixing music every single month over at our mixing membership website, mixing made easy done that. But I'm also mixing music for clients. And I'm also mixing music for practice to get better because it's something I like to do. And my mixes today are 100 times better than they were two or three years ago. And so will yours be. But it's the same for recording music, the recordings that you make today when you first start You'll be embarrassed about a year from now because your recordings in a year will be so much better if you stick with it and you have patience. So stop being impatient. This takes time. Give yourself some credit. And as the old saying goes, it is a journey or it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? It's the journey that what matters. And there'll be benchmarks along the way and you'll hit plateaus and you'll break through those plateaus and you will achieve things and you want to celebrate those successes because what you're trying to do is not easy, okay? And it's not something that anyone can do well. It's something anyone can do, but not everyone can do it well. So when you get to the point where you can do it well, you should celebrate that. So that's the first mistake I see with new people in the home studio recording and mixing world is being impatient. Number two mistake is they ignore the technical side of things. They don't understand the basics. So let's, again, whether it's recording or even or mixing, if we say mixing, they don't understand the basics of EQ and compression. They want to mix by presets. Bad idea. (laughs) Bad idea. 
They don't want to learn the technical side. Now, how much of the technical side you want to learn really depends how much of a, of a geeky nerd you want to be. You know, we have a lot of folks that work over here at Home Recording Made Easy. I mean, work in, as far as from in the student capacity that are musicians and they just want to be able to make their stuff sound good enough. Whatever their definition of good enough is, they don't want to become a technical engineer. They're a creative musician. And that's totally cool. Most of my beginner, all of my beginner and intermediate courses are all taught in a non-technical way for that exact person. You don't have to be a techie to understand my training courses or the stuff that I do on YouTube. For the most part, we have intermediate and advanced stuff, but for the beginner stuff, especially it's very non-technical and that's totally fine. However, if you want your stuff to sound better than crappy and you want it to sound at least decent, you have to understand some basic technical stuff. Around recording, the technical side could be the actual recording techniques and some of the technical aspects of recording and capturing good sounds from raw instruments. On the mixing side, it's how to use things like EQ and compression. That Those kinds of things are going to help you from a technical point of view make the music sound as good as it can. So don't ignore the technical side. Don't be frustrated by it. Don't be intimidated by it. It is a taught skill. You don't need a college education to do this stuff. You really, truly don't. It's a lot easier than you think, but a lot of people get put off by it. And also a lot of people get intimidated by it because they go on YouTube and they watch lots of people who try to teach this craft. And most of them are really good engineers, but they're terrible teachers. And they like trying to make themselves sound like they know what they're talking about. And it gives them some kind of a, you know, some kind of a superiority complex that they can make you, you know, they they like to hear themselves talk and they like to make themselves sound like they're so important and so smart and so such a great engineer. And they talk right over the student's head or the person that's trying to learn something's head. Where I, on the other hand, try to take the exact opposite approach. I try to try to talk to you from a layman's terms. I'm not talking to you in a technical way. I don't teach anything in a technical way. I can be a very technical person, but that doesn't help someone who's trying to learn. So I can understand why you could be intimidated and put off by some technical things because it goes right over your head and you feel silly and go, oh my goodness, it's not you. It's because the person you're trying to learn from is a terrible instructor or a terrible teacher. They may be good, a great engineer and they may have really good intentions and really trying to help people. I don't say this in a, in a negative way towards them, but just because you're a good engineer doesn't mean you're a good teacher of the craft. That's a skill set all in itself. Trust me, I know. <laughs> and so don't be intimidated by the technical. Find yourself an instructor or training materials, whether it's me or somebody else, that can explain things to you in a non-technical way that you can understand it so you can understand the technical of the basics of recording and mixing music. Okay? Ignoring that... The longer you ignore it, the more you're going to regret that as you move down the road. If you get some of those things under your belt in the very beginning, it's going to pay off for you a hundred times over down the road. And you'll thank me that you actually bit the bullet and you went through the, you took a little bit of the technical. And again, it's not hard. It's actually kind of fun. So don't ignore the technical. Okay. Another, our number three out of my top eight here, mistake number three, and we say this all the time, what do you think it is? Not acoustically treating your room that you're recording and mixing music in on some level. I talk about this almost in every podcast because it comes, it's one of the things that is, if not the most important, one of the most important things 
and you can't, it's, I can't, well, I shouldn't say you can't because I don't want to, there's always exceptions. You will have a difficult time recording and mixing good, mu good music that sounds good, that sounds like the way you intended it to sound in the, in the end, in a room that's not acoustically treated on some level. And depending on what you're trying to do will depend on how more or less of acoustic treatment you need. Okay. Can you do it in an untreated room? Yes. Are you going to struggle more? And is it going to take longer to get to the end game? 100,000%, right? Is that a word? 100,000%? <laughs> it will. Making sure that you pay attention to the acoustics of your room and the treatment of your room. And there's a ton of information online that you can get, including my resources as well. And you can buy acoustic treatment for not a whole lot of money, or you could spend a lot of money depending on what you want to do. And you could even make it yourself for next to nothing if you're handy and somewhat crafty. Pay attention to the acoustic treatment of your room. As you're setting up your studio, you only have to do it once and you will thank me down the road. Big mistake that a lot of newbies don't get right. The fourth mistake that I see people make all the time when I'm coaching people privately, they're prioritizing the wrong gear in their studios. We talked about this on several different episodes because again, it all ties in. Okay, an example of that is they have a great microphone. They go out and spend a ton of money on a microphone. I had a student once spend $3,500 on a Neumann U87, one of the, one of the most famous uh, vocal microphones and used on other things, but primarily vocals. Uh, one of the most recorded microphones in history, Neumann U87. Fantastic microphone. And literally was using a $149 USB audio interface with that, with a preamp on board. And I'm thinking to myself, that is such a bad idea. You are not getting the full quality of that $3,500 microphone plugged into a $100 piece of equipment. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. It's like building a Ferrari on the outside and putting a Yugo engine under the hood. It doesn't make any sense. Okay. But people don't know this. They don't know. And you know why they don't know? Because when they first start out getting their stuff set up for their home studio, they go out and they buy a, you know, they buy their favorite, you know, DA, or they buy a recording software, not their favorite. They just find, they do some research, they buy a recording software. I'm just going to use Studio One as an example because I use it. You can buy a Studio One artist for $99 and it comes with an audio box USB audio interface. That's about a $90 interface, maybe a hundred bucks, something in that ballpark. Great little starter kit, perfect to get started and get things hooked up and making some noise on your computer. Not the interface you want to plug a $3,500 microphone into. Doesn't make sense. Okay. So making sure you're prioritizing the right gear. Great mic, bad preamp. Okay. Then we have same kind of thing. Great mic. They got a great interface. Right. Great preamp. And then they're trying to mix that music after they record it on, you know, budget speakers, $300 pair of speakers. They recorded a beautiful microphone through a beautiful preamp into their DAW. They're trying to mix the music and they're monitoring and making mixing decisions on an inexpensive pair of studio monitors that are not accurate, probably in an untreated room. <laughs> and they want to know why the mix doesn't sound right because they don't understand the priority. Okay. Or they also have lots of great gear, lots of plugins, lots of VST instruments, VST guys, 
lots of uh you know uh, guitar mop, amp modeling and all that stuff wonderful pieces of equipment wonderful software top-notch stuff computer 10 years old it can't doesn't have more nate gigs of ram in it and every time you try to record everything everything kind of slows down bogs down you get all kinds of static and audio artifacts and cracks and pops you know how many times i get an email in a week about i went to record my music and all i hear back is the crackles and the pops i've made three videos on the youtube channel with 15 different remedies on how to fix that problem and to this day, I get at least three emails a week asking me about crackles and pops and audio artifacts. And 95% of the time, I bet you that it's more, but I'm going to be conservative here. 95% of the time, you know what, when we diagnose the problem, what it is? They're trying to use like seven different VST instruments in a computer from 10 years ago that has a dual core processor with eight gigs of RAM in it. And I don't care if it's Windows, or P Windows PC or Mac. There's no favorites here as far as that goes. And even though I have YouTube videos and on my podcast, I got podcast episodes dedicated to this topic, people don't understand that the computer is the engine of your studio. And a computer needs lots of processing, lots of memory, fast hard drives if you want to record intensely, you know, intense, intense recording uh, tasks on your computer. Okay. So be aware of that. If you want to know, oh, I don't, you, you know, a lot of you may be saying, oh, I didn't know that. Well, how do I know what kind of computer to get to? Perfect question. You don't know what kind of computer to get? Go listen to episode, I think it's episode four of this podcast. Whole episode dedicated to computers and computer specs, Mac, PC, Windows, Mac, blah, blah, blah. The whole thing is right there. I also have YouTube videos on it and there's lots of YouTube other channels that have this information as well. Okay, so if you're gonna have all this great gear, make sure that you have a computer that can handle what you're trying to do. So again, those are three examples under the prioritizing the wrong gear, okay? Don't go out and buy $20,000 worth of microphones and outboard gear and won't spend $2,000 on a computer that's going to enable you to get the most out of that equipment, <laughs> okay? Top mistake number five for newbies is this, this one pertains to mixing. Too many plugins and too much processing in their mix sessions. This happens all the time as well, okay, where... Again, not knowing any better or surfing around YouTube and finding their famous engineer friend that they know and love and they look at their Pro Tools session and oh my God, there's plugins all over the place and they think they have to put plugins all over the place and they don't understand the basics and how to use those plugins and it never makes the mix sound better. It actually makes it sound worse. So using too many plugins and processing in your mixing sessions is a bad idea for people that are new. I say it all the time. Even though you see me use tons of third-party plugins on the YouTube channel, I do lots of plugin demos for companies and such because I'm an educator, this is what I do. But I say all the time on the YouTube channel, in my videos, on my live streams, and on this podcast, if you are new to mixing, you don't need anything other than the stock plugins that came with your recording software, regardless of the recording software that you can't, you bought right? They all have an EQ and a compressor of some kind, and some DAWs will have multiple styles of EQ and compressors. Most of them do today. You only need that and that only. And I would say for the first year, you should be doing mixing work and lots of it and taking lots of mixing training, learning how to just use the basics of EQ and compression with your stock plugins before you go out and buy another plugin. Once you are ready and you can get good mixes and you understand the basic fundamentals of EQ and compression and know how to use it effectively, 
And then you want some different kinds of colors and tones and different things that those other third-party plugins can provide. Then and only then should you go out and spend money on that stuff. Okay? Because the more options you have when you are new, the more overwhelmed and the more confused you're going to be. And so when you're learning how to mix, the fewer plugins, the better. When you're ready to graduate to those other types of plugins, I have tons of training available for you, <laughs> okay, on how to use them the most effectively. So be careful of that, okay? Just because you see me using them on the channel doesn't mean you should run out and buy every single plugin you see me use. And I say that. I don't ever get on the channel and demo stuff and tell you you should go buy these. I demo things to show you what the possibilities are and talk to you and show you how they're used. And there are very few times that I will say outside of your stock plugins that you need plugin XYZ, you really should have this in your toolkit. There are a few of those what I classify as utility plugins. And I mention them from time to time when they come up in the appropriate setting. But most times, 95, 98% of the time, stock plugins only is all you need. Don't make that mistake as a newbie. You'll spend half your life in the plugin rabbit hole and you will go farther and farther into the abyss. So be careful about that, okay? Talking a lot about training. The sixth um, mistake I see a lot of newbies make, and again, some not just not really realizing and some they just, just won't accept the fact that, you know what? Sometimes you need to invest in your training with your wallet, and not everything in the world is free. And I know there's a lot of free in the music business, especially free music, free downloads, free YouTube channel, free Instagram, free Facebook, free, 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 free. I can learn everything online for free. I don't have to pay for anything. That is technically correct. And if we had an infinite amount of time or, you know, on, on this planet Earth, I'd say, knock yourself out, man. But the one thing we don't get back in life is time. And when we all have a limited amount of time because of our daily responsibilities and our lives, our age and otherwise, not everything is for free that you're going to be able to get where you want to go in the appropriate or in a reasonable amount of time. So you should invest in your craft. There's another podcast episode, a podcast episode. I forget what number search the archive called investing in your craft. That's what it is. Sometimes voting with your wallet and spending a few bucks on the appropriate training to get you from point A to point B the quickest way possible with the least amount of mistakes and roadblocks. And I'm not saying that you got to go buy my courses. You could go buy anybody's courses, whether it's me or whether it's somebody else. Find an instructor that resonates with you, support what they do, and get yourself some quality training if you're new. Okay, you'll save yourself years of frustration, and I mean years of frustration. Searching on YouTube is great. YouTube is awesome. You can learn a lot from YouTube. I learn a lot from YouTube. I have lots of YouTube videos, as does other channels, to help you, and it's good quality stuff. But when you are new, you don't know what the good information is from the bad information, and there's a lot of misinformation online, especially in the audio world and especially in the home studio world. My Lord, there is. And it's all good. I'm out here knocking anyone. I'm just telling you, a lot of the information, you'll spend your life sifting through the information and going up and down rabbit trails and you'll never get where you need to go. Invest with some training. It doesn't have to cost you a lot, but it'll save you a lot of time and we don't get time back. <laughs> okay? So 
I encourage you to find yourself some quality training from an instructor that you resonate with and that resonates with you and hits home with you and get yourself some training. Don't try to learn all this on your own. It can be done, but it's not easy. Okay? Top mistake number seven. Again, we're going to go back to mixing. New mixers not using reference tracks when they're mixing songs. And what is a reference track quickly for you that don't know? And I know most of you probably know, if not all of you, but in case someone listens to this in the future and doesn't know, a reference track is where you're mixing your song and you're comparing it back and forth to a popular song that was commercially recorded and released in, let's say, on the radio. So, for example, let's say you were mixing... Um, a country, a female country pop song in the style of, let's say, Taylor Swift for this example. So if your song that you're mixing or you wrote or you're mixing for a friend or a bandmate or a client or whoever is a Taylor Swift-ish <laughs> type song, then I would, and you want to compete with something that sounds like a commercial release and you want it to sound as pro as possible, then you ought to be referencing using a Taylor Swift song that's in the same style, kind of same, you know, vibe. So you can flip back and forth between as your mix is progressing, your mix compared to the reference track to the Taylor Swift song. How does the EQ sound? Is there, is it, is there a lot more low end in the commercial release of Taylor Swift versus your mix? Is there not, is there not enough low end? Does the Taylor Swift song have a louder lead vocal than where your song is sitting in the mix? How loud's the snare drum in the Taylor Swift song that you're referencing? How's the panning of the guitars? If there's multiple guitars, there's acoustic guitars, electric guitars, slide guitars, fiddles, all kinds of things in country. Where are they panned? When you listen, is the guitar on the left side or on the right side? Now, I'm not telling you this so you absolutely try to copy the Taylor Swift song exactly. That's not the point here. But you're using it as a guide so you can start to train your brain and your ears. Your ears are like muscle memory, just like anything else. You're trying to develop the muscle memory that when you're trying to mix a country female pop song, that you know what a commercial song should sound like. And the roadmap to that is reference tracks. And even though I say it in every single one of my mixing courses, right from the absolute beginner course, all the way up through my mixing masterclass and every course in between, and even though I say it every single month with the content for my mixing membership website, I still listen to mixes on a daily basis from people who it is obvious they're not using reference tracks. And I beg and plead with people. It's so an easy thing to do. It'll cut your learning time in half if you learn how to use reference tracks. It's the analogy is kind of in a way if you're a drummer learning how to play to a metronome or a click track, it's an essential part of learning how to be a drummer. You won't be a good drummer if you can't play to a click. You won't be. You'll be okay, but when you try to record yourself in a studio, you may, unless you got perfect timing and very few people do, if you don't record to a click track or can't play to a click track, you're going to have a difficult time recording good drum performances. Okay, it's an essential thing to learning how to be a good drummer and develop good time. Practice to a click track, record to a click track when it, where possible. Same thing with mixing. You want to be a good mixer? Learn how to use reference tracks. Let reference tracks be the roadmap to helping you understand the way a commercial mix should sound from a technical aspect. Huge mistake that newbies make, and I'm here to help you. Don't make that mistake. Use reference tracks. 
And number eight, here's a big one, which again, surprises me to no end. And I mix, I also mix a lot of work for clients. I do client mixes every month. And most of them are recorded at home studios. Indie artists, you know, some are just weekend warriors. Some are, you know, not signed, but want to get signed. Some are touring musicians. Many are not. But I can't tell you how many times I'll get a session from someone who recorded and they want me, they want to pay me a decent amount of money to mix their music. And it's obvious after I listen to the, to the, to the session in its rawest form, it's, it's amazing to me how, the, how a lot of times artists just don't take the time to record, record a good performance. Now we talked about earlier about the technical side and good recording techniques and getting a good recorded sound for a vocal or for a drum kit or a guitar or whatever, but that's the sound getting, that's important, obviously, right? But the performance is more important to be honest, right? Again, sending me a session where the drummer doesn't, didn't play to a click, can't play in time. I see it all the time or a vocal that is not slightly out of tune, way out of tune. Vocals aren't tuned. Singer can't sing in key. Or just the rhythm and, and just, just the vibe of the vocal. This happens a lot with vocals. Where the performance is just not there. Right? They're not singing in lockstep with the music. And they send this stuff to me and they want me to mix it. They want it to sound like a commercial record. Mm. Difficult. A well-crafted song is important. Most importantly, the performance of that song is so important. Now, again, that has a lot to do with the skill levels of the musicianship. I totally get it. You know, and everyone's at different skill levels. And sometimes, oh, I would say most times when I get these kinds of sessions, it's not because they're not skilled enough to do a better performance. They're lazy. They're lazy to, to do it over and over again. They're lazy to rehearse. So when they go to record, they can record the thing in two or three takes and I know this because sometimes I'll just say, I'll send it back and say, hey, look, you got to re-record that guitar part. I can't use that. They'll re-record it and it comes out great. So I know they have the ability, <laughs> right? Or the vocal's not right. It's not in key. And I'll say, hey, man, do you really want me to mix this or do you want to replace the vocal track? They'll go, no, no, we'll replace it. And they give me back a vocal track that sounds so much better. That's great. Why didn't you do that the first time? Take the time do the pre-production work, do the rehearsal work before you hit the record button and get a good performance because without a good performance and without a well-crafted song, you're not going to get a great end product. You're going to get an okay end product at best. Okay. That's important. And that kind of cycles around number eight, back to number one. You want to know why a lot of people don't take the time to get a good performance because of the very first thing I said in this podcast, they're impatient and they want this thing to be done Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Let's get it done. And it's like, you know what? Recording takes time, even for the professional musicians. Not everything is done in one take. Most things are not done in one take. Vocal performances especially. It takes time. It takes lots of rehearsal. It takes dedication. The better the performance and the better the recording techniques of that performance, the much better the end product's gonna be. If you're trying to fix a bad uh, perform song and a poorly recorded song in the mix, guess what? You're doing it completely backwards and you're not going to get what you think you're going to get in the end. Okay. That's a huge newbie or beginner mistake. Take the time to get a good performance. The best performance that you can give. Do not settle. Don't be, as we said in tip number one, 
impatient. It takes time. It doesn't mean wait for perfection and never record anything because we'll always getting better and you'll never be done. But you want to be solid and you want to give it the best you can possibly give and don't skimp out on that stuff because in the end, what's going to suffer is your music and we don't want that, right? So those are my top eight newbie mistakes that I see all the time and hopefully you took some notes and you wrote that down and you'll try to avoid those things at all costs. So I want to thank you so much for listening to another episode here at the Home Recording Made Easy.com podcast. So I said early on in the episode, I want to give you a free gift, especially if you're new. Again, I want you to go to homerecordingmadeeasy.com and I want to give you a free mixing course. It's right on the website, big orange button, right on the homepage. Can't miss it. Click on that button, sign up for your free mixing course today. It's my gift to you just for visiting homerecordingmadeeasy.com. And if you take that course and you like it and you want to try one of my other paid training courses on the website, I want to give you a discount as well. I want you to use the pod, uh, excuse me, I want you to use the coupon code podcast30. Use podcast30 at checkout and that will take 30% off any one of the training courses on my website. Again, it's my gift to you just for checking out my training courses. Again, you have to find that teacher that resonates with you. And the only way you're going to find out whether Dave here, Uncle Dave, resonates with you is if you take the free course and maybe take one of my other courses and you either like my teaching style and you like it or you hate it or it works for you and it doesn't. And for some of you, it's not going to work. And that's totally fine. Go off to the next instructor. Find someone that resonates with you that you can learn from because I want you to follow tip number six. If you were taking notes, you would know what tip number six was or my tip top eight mistakes. What's number six? Investing in your training with your wallet. Again, I'm going to let you try my stuff for free with a free mixing course. If you don't like it, go to somebody else, but get yourself some training if you're new. Okay, so that's my gift to you. I'm going to give you a free course. I'm going to give you a discount on another course so you can see whether or not good old Uncle Dave here is the right instructor for you. And I hope that I am. And I look forward to seeing you in those courses. So once again, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Home Recording Made Easy.com podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, share, leave comments below if you're doing this thing on YouTube and you're listening to this on YouTube. And everything that I talked about and all the pertinent links will be in the show notes below. So until next week, thank you so much for listening. Be happy, be safe, be well, and I'll see you next week.